Whether you're a small business or an enterprise power player, if you want to beat your competition, you must create more video ads than ever before. However, the video production process has traditionally been expensive and time-consuming, but QuickFrame by Mountain is here to change that. No matter the size of your business, QuickFrame unlocks access to a global network of creators and production companies eager to deliver a more efficient way for your brand to produce high-quality video content. Visit quickframe.com to learn more. Welcome to Great Minds, and today we have a special treat. We have uh, two guests today. We're going to talk about a great collaboration on a rebrand of one of the true bellwether brands that America's ever produced, one that's become more prominent the last few years during COVID, I think in particular, as dogs and pets have really jumped to the forefront of American culture. Uh, certainly in my house, uh, no one is higher ranking than our dog. So we're thrilled to have today the managing director of CBX, who oversees all brand strategy and design and innovation, Satoru Wakashima. So welcome, Satoru. Hi, thank you so much for having us. And with us as well is Kara Buckler. Kara has had a charmed career at a great American company, uh, J.M. Smucker. And Kara, I want to start just to tip our hand. You said what a special place it is. So I think we're going to start our conversation there. But Kara's risen up the ladder. She's the senior director of creative and design at the J.M. Smucker company. And Kara, let's start where you uh, uh, started with me before we got on the air, and that's talking about what a special place the J.M. Smucker Company is, and I'd love to begin there. Um, that's an easy place to start. And first of all, so happy to be here. Thank you for having us both. Um, I've spent the majority of my career at the J.M. Smucker Co. Um, going on 19 years, and there's really never been a dull moment. Um, I started as a very green package design coordinator in the early 2000s, and just have been lucky enough to ride this wave of growth and uh, portfolio transformation at the company as it's evolved over the last two decades. So, you know, many know it as a fruit-focused um, food and beverage manufacturer, and it's transformed to an $8 billion company with a diverse portfolio of brands, including Folgers and Jif and Duncan and Milkbone. Um, so the opportunity I've had to work on these iconic brands has been an absolute blast, but um, what has kept me inspired and here for so many years is really the company itself and the people here. Um, we just celebrated yesterday the 125th anniversary of the company, um, which is pretty special. And um, I think even more unique is even though the company's publicly traded, we've had five generations of family leadership. So Mark Smucker's fifth generation CEO and that continuity over the last century, I think, has created a really unique um, and um, uh, special culture that I'm really proud to be a part of. That's tremendous. There's something special about the Midwest. I'm good friends with a gentleman who's the real leader in the marketing industry globally. He's the global CMO of MasterCard, Raja Raja Menar. Raja lives in Cincinnati, another great 
uh, city. Although, as I learned, when you fly in, you actually fly into Kentucky and then end up in Cincinnati. I'm sure you know that as a Midwest gal. Um, but there is some, there's a certain warmth, there's a certain humanity, I find, to companies and people who are from that part of America. Kara, that sounds like something you might agree with. Absolutely. You know, as I said, it's what um, I think keeps uh, many folks here uh, for years. It, the, the brands, of course, are the icing on the cake and working with partners like CBX and, and people like Satoro is, is wonderful. Um, I, hopefully he feels that culture too in working with uh, our company. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Satoro, you've also had a, a lengthy tenure at CBX, but started off in sort of an account director role in your earliest gigs and then rose up to, at a very young age, to EVP of Sterling Brands um, as a young man. Talk about that evolution of your career path from account director. Now you're one of the leaders in what I would submit is the hottest space which is that sort of intersection of strategy and product and design. Um, but let's talk about that, that roadmap because you've had an interesting career path. Sure, I, I started my career actually at a very small division of, of Young and Rubicam Advertising. And that's where I kind of cut my teeth on, on brands like Rolling Rock and US Postal Service. And that's really where I discovered uh, that I had a fascination and love of brands. Uh, all of this kind of plays into uh, some of my upbringing. My, uh, my father uh, is a uh, contemporary artist and growing up in an artist household in the 70s and 80s kind of influenced uh, how I uh, looked at brands, how I thought about design uh, and really looked at the world in general. Uh, so when I started out at CYB, and then went on to a company called Degrit Gobey, where I studied under the, uh, the late Mark Gobey. And Mark was kind of at the forefront at the time of what he called emotional branding. And that is a, a concept that was just ahead of its time. And he applied that to uh, a variety of different uh, brands and organizations, uh, things I worked on like Coca-Cola and Coach and Sara Lee. Uh, many, many different companies adopted this philosophy of emotional branding. And he's really the one that taught me about, about design and how to talk about brands. From there, uh, my evolution was going to Sterling. And uh, Sterling, I worked under uh, one of my other mentors, Debbie Millman, who uh, really is just a, a powerhouse of, uh, of knowledge and, and just uh, a resource for uh, great branding ideas. And Debbie was really the one who taught me how to tell a great story about brands. And working alongside her on brands like Pepsi, Gillette, uh, Colgate Palmolive, these are just some of the companies that we work for. That's really where I started to uh, uh, rise in my career, and I had a lot of opportunity at that organization to eventually become the managing, uh, the, the general manager of uh, the creative division at, at Sterling. Uh, my next jump was to CBX, and I've been at CBX for the last uh, 14 years. Very fortunate to work for a company for, for this, uh, this tenure, uh, but also it's because uh, the organization has provided me with a lot of different opportunities. So I wear a lot of different hats. I've worn a lot of different hats at CBX, but it's allowed me to have uh, the kind of partnerships that are really meaningful. Uh, partnerships like uh, our partnership with James Smucker, where uh, we really have worked in a variety of capacities and uh, really alongside some great talent, uh, including Kara and her team. Satora, let's stay with you for a second because it's such an interesting area. 
And I'm referring specifically here to something that's part of both of your portfolios, and that's the word and the importance of design. Design wasn't always at the table as an equal partner. I think brand strategy has been around a long time. Certainly people, uh, I think, often overhype the word innovation, but that notion has been with us at a long time. But design as a seat at the grown-up table is relatively new. And in, as a layman, I, I go back to sort of the rise and prominence of Apple and Steve Jobs in really putting design front and center. But Satoru, I'd love to start with you. And Kara, I'd love your answer as well. What's your thoughts on the evolution of prominence, if you will, of design as pretty much an equal partner today? You know, it's an interesting uh, topic because I think uh, in many instances, design actually has been something that has been important and present in a lot of organizations. Uh, whether or not those individuals at those companies uh, kind of got a seat at the table, as you mentioned. Uh, but I look back on my history working on brands like Gillette where I worked with uh, Pamela Parisi many years ago, and she was someone that was really a champion for design within that organization. She's the one that really uh, pushed agencies as well as internal leadership to put focus on that. So I do think that design has been there, uh, has become more in the, the public eye and, and much more visible within organizations. Absolutely. I think certain categories lend themselves more to uh, put greater emphasis on the importance of design. But as we talk about uh, things like our, our work for the James Smucker Company, when you're talking about design for uh, products that people uh, use in their everyday lives. Uh, this is something that uh, we take very seriously because it's really the impact that design can have on how people feel about brands and the decisions they make and the choices they make in their everyday, everyday decisions. Yeah, I think Satoro said it so well, but, and you're absolutely right in your observation, Matt, that I think design, maybe even in my nearly 20 years of doing this, it's, it's seen more today, less as decoration and more as solving a problem, more as delivering on a strategy. I think we always ask the question, you know, did it deliver on the brief? Did, did it solve a problem? That's what great design can do. So I'm obviously in the function I, I lead. I'm a firm believer that design can be one of the single most important ways you can build long-term affinity and love for your brand. Um, but making a change, you know, especially for heritage brands, which is a lot of our portfolio, that can be, that can be tough. And uh, there's a lot of um, data that is needed to make shifts in design and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of patience. Um, so, you know, Milkbone, I know we might uh, talk about here today, but it, it's a great shining example of where design can make a really meaningful impact and set a great foundation for all the components of a brand strategy um, and its you know, presence in the marketplace. We're absolutely going to get to your collaboration and work on the Milkbone rebrand, but let, let's stay where we are because another interesting area. So you mentioned heritage brands and you have a portfolio of brands, Cara, that people don't just like. You're part of the fabric of households all over the world. When you talk about Folgers, when you talk about Jif, when you talk about Milkbone, these are are important to us. And uh, I wonder how you balance that healthy respect 
for the relationship that you have built over the years, as you said, five generations of family leadership and the need to make sure that you're evolving with the times, that you're staying contemporary. That's got to be a very tricky balance for you. I agree. I think it's it's easy to become complacent, I think, um, especially when brands are really healthy, right? You know, if they have high household um, awareness or high awareness, high household penetration, um, I've seen this in package design a lot where there's a lot of trepidation for change, you know, um, fear of losing your loyal or base consumers. So I think an important part of the process, which we always, you know, we have a fantastic insights team, we have fantastic partners, it's understanding um, what is resonant and salient with your consumers, um, making sure you carry those beloved equities through in whatever work you're doing, um, just a healthy appreciation and acknowledgement that these brands do live in the hearts and minds of consumers and we have to be stewards, we have to be um, thoughtful and conscientious. And again, I, I think it's a combination of um, uh, insights and great partnerships to have that uh, go on that trusted journey to know that when we're making a change, uh, it has been thoughtfully vetted and we're not doing so hastily. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, it's a real responsibility that you have as the keeper of those brands, but they're also businesses which you have to keep growing. So really interesting. The, the two of you combined, and this is also very unusual, almost 40 years at the same places, right? That's unusual. And your collaboration goes back and your knowledge of each other and history goes back. Can we go back to then trace the beginning of the relationship between uh, both the companies and the two of you with each other? Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I think uh, uh, our start with the Jam Smoker Company actually uh, begins with uh, the, the business before uh, it was purchased by the Jam Smoker Company. So we actually worked on many of these uh, brands uh, well before the purchase of uh, of James uh, of Del Monte Pet uh, by James Smoker. So we were uh, fortunate to continue that relationship. And uh, when we first started on this business, it was you know absolutely one of those situations where we didn't know each other. We had to get to know each other. We had to uh, understand how each other felt, how each other thought, what concerns, what motivations, what uh, what aspirations there were, but also where they were in their organization and, and what their teams needed. And I think that's something that is so important for anytime you have a relationship between an agency and a, a client organization. Uh, it's important for us to understand what are the, the vision and the objectives for the business? How are they looking at their brands? How are they looking to uh, expand what they do and their business so that there is continued growth and that these brands like Milkbone, like Jif, uh, all of these heritage brands that we've been talking about, uh, as Kara mentioned, uh, they're handled with a great deal of responsibility. And I think that's something that uh, we wanna continue to just reinforce uh, anytime we're working on a heritage brand is that responsibility that comes with it, right? As an agency, uh, we work on, on businesses uh, that, that don't belong to us. They are brands that are really owned by other entities. For us, it's a great privilege and great honor but with that also comes a great deal of responsibility to make sure that we are uh, making the changes that are the right changes at the right time, but also holding on to uh, what's valuable equities, uh, mind share, so that we are helping these businesses grow and continue to grow. 
Fantastic. Kara? I would just add, again, Satoru said it well, but I would say since we've worked together since that 2015 acquisition, um, you know, we just established a really great flow and a great collaboration. Um, it's all grounded in mutual trust and respect. Um, it's also a lot of fun and it never feels transactional. I think the ways of working maybe 20 years ago, um, you would pitch an assignment over the wall, the agency would come back, it would be a big show. Like today it's, we're rolling up our sleeves and working together. Um, that's true of the amazing team I have back here and the team uh, that Satoru works with day in and day out. So it's that mutual respect, that idea that everybody's got a voice and um, we're all partnering in service of our brands and then ultimately our consumers. You know, it's, there's no egos <laughs> that makes the, the partnership great. Fantastic. And Del Monte, another, another great family of brands. So let's talk about the rise uh, of prominence of pets the last several years. Um, we got our dog uh, about three years ago, a little less. Same here. I guess, I guess a little over two years, actually. Uh, oh, we love dearly. And we had our old uh, pup passed away many years ago, Chocolate Lab, and it took us 10 years to get over it. Uh, and to get a new one. Um, but let's talk about culture. Our experience in my family is not unique. Uh, this has been an incredible rise to prominence um, in so many ways, and much of it, of course, driven by COVID. But I'd love your sort of professional take on the rise of prominence. And I imagine that was in part a catalyst for the rebrand work that you undertook for Milkbone. You know, I, I actually, Toro, I was looking back, we kicked off the rebranding work prior to the pandemic. It started in the fall. We had a session in New York in, in fall of 2019, but it, the work became increasingly important because of the points you mentioned, Matt. Um, I was just reviewing some um, interesting stats from our amazing insights team, and it points out that one in five households acquired a, a cat or a dog since the beginning of COVID, which I found amazing. They say 70% of Households in the U.S. now have a pet, so that was higher than I even thought. But I knew we knew intuitively, anecdotally, that the incidence of pet ownership, you know, while people were home, just grew. I know that's true for Satoro too, personally. Absolutely, we we got our dog Chili uh, just before the pandemic hit, and uh, it was one of these moments where my family was at a. Uh, my kids were old enough. Uh, we had the uh, right household uh, set up in order to, to bring a dog into our house. And, uh, you know, he was quickly adopted as, as a, uh, he's a rescue. So he was uh, quickly brought into our family at, at seven weeks and became uh, basically a member of the family. It, it's, it's literally like he is uh, the, the brother to my, my daughter and my son. So just the, the dynamic that's happened in our family has shifted dramatically. And it is such a reflection of uh, what many, many people went through during the pandemic. Uh, people were stuck at home. There was a lot of pet adoptions all of a sudden that happened. And uh, as we look back on it now, we see that majority of these pet adoptions were happening with uh, Gen Z and, and millennials, right? And uh, those, those pet owners, in many cases, were first-time pet owners. They had never had dogs or cats before, and uh, it really was something that uh, was new to them. Uh, some of the insights that we've uncovered over the, the course of working uh, together was that 
for many of these, uh, these first time pet owners, their motivations for uh, how they purchase products are driven primarily about uh, being a pet parent, right? And being this nurturing, loving pet parent where they want to make sure that they're not only making the best choices for their pet, uh, the way they look at it is uh, they want the best for their pet and they will spare no cost, no expense. And when they talk about things like what is best, health is, is a, a very important driver. That's something that we, we know that our, our consumer absolutely values uh, brands that they believe are going to provide their pet with a healthy long life. Uh, now, what's interesting about uh, a brand like Milkbone is we're talking about treats. Right. And treats are fun. People want to give their dog treats often. They want to reward them. There is this connection moment of when you are about to give your dog a treat, as well as when you give it to him, that there's this, this joy that comes out of it. And that has been central to the Milkbone brand for probably its entire uh, existence. Right. And uh, when you talk about a brand like Milkbone, it's a cultural icon. Right. Few brands that live in this space, in this category, are, are noted in TV shows, mentioned by name in movies. Only Milkbone has that kind of iconic status. So as we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the uh, restage of the brand, we wanted to make sure that we were uh, tapping into these insights of first time pet owners and understanding uh, what it was like for them, the, the joy, the treating moment, but also recognizing what the brand has always represented in, in, in people's lives and also what they represented for their pets. Fantastic, Kara. Um, I just want to layer on, I was looking at, again, the fun facts. Um, it's interesting now with um, the inflationary environment we're in, it, there's a, uh, stat from Mintel that says more than 70% of consumers would cut back on spending in other areas of their lives before cutting back on spending on their pets. So it's interesting. It's uh, just um, amplifies what uh, Satoru has already said, but it's a space where humanization is happening. You know, the pets are a key member of the family and to be stewards of brands that are in people's lives like that is, is a great responsibility. Um, and it makes it a really fun journey when we're, again, uh, considering what can we do to bring more joy and energy and vibrancy to these brands, which, again, is what great design does. It's what the work of many teams at Smucker in partnership with um, our best agencies do. So it's a, it's a great time to be in pet. It's a joy <laughs> to work on these brands in a time like this. Absolutely. So, so let's go back and sort of trace the continuum of the work that you did together. You started, as you said, in the fall of 19 pre-pandemic mm -hmm. and the work then accelerated uh, during the pandemic. And I'm not, uh, I'm surprised by the stat, but not surprised by the stat. You know, what you said, Kara, makes sense that um, so many of us have who didn't have pets now do. Talk about the evolution of the work, what your goals and objectives were at the beginning and how they changed as the work became, let's use this word, more important. Sure, Mr. Tor, I can give a quick thought and I'd love for your builds. Um, I just, I think it's a credit to our marketing leadership and design team and CBX for taking this leap to reinvigorate an already healthy brand during this kind of tumultuous time. Um, it would be easy to just sit back and let things 
ride because the brand was healthy. Like I said, you know, high awareness, high household penetration, things are going fine. Um, but the push was to infuse more energy and joy and life into the brand. It's almost catching up with the personality we knew the brand had um, visually. Um, so in addition to uh, infusing more joy, just helping navigation at shelf, setting up an architecture that helps consumers navigate a portfolio that moves beyond just um, base biscuits. It's kind of rising, raising awareness that we have more than just uh, core biscuits. So there were a couple objectives layered in there, but um, certainly driving emotional connection through new dog photography was a huge component of that, a huge component of bringing joy. Um, and it's just part of what drives that emotional connection as consumers shop. Um, so I think the team did a brilliant job and I already jumped ahead and I think Satoru layer on. <laughs> to Oh, absolutely. I, I, uh, I um, support what, what Kara had just said. You know, one of the uh, objectives for the brand was not just to reinvigorate, but also to reinforce and communicate the, the breadth of products that the brand offers. And this is something that when you talk about any heritage brand, especially in, in this type of category, uh, people get it in their head of, oh, yeah, I know Milkbone. And they, they almost take it for granted, right? And they start to almost, um, I don't want to say ignore it, but they, they are not necessarily looking for new news from some of these brands. Uh, here is a brand, though, that has continued to innovate uh, for years and years and years uh, to create new products like dental products and supplements and long-lasting chews. The, the portfolio of different products within Milkbone had expanded rapidly, yet I think there was uh, less awareness uh, of those new products and mostly just focus on the biscuit. So part of our goal was to create a design system that was going to have legs, be able to translate two different segments, allow us to have more tools uh, in our toolbox in terms of uh, visual uh, equities and verbal equities that we carry over and expand upon to uh, help celebrate some of these other products that they had put out of the marketplace. Great. And talk about the bottom line impact of the work. You had a healthy brand. Seems like that healthy brand has gotten even healthier. Yes. And, and it's fair to say it's a culmination of factors, right? That um, have accelerated the growth for Milkbone. You know, the redesign, as the Toro and I've talked, and the brand architecture work that we did in partnership with CBX was an awesome foundation. I mean, add to that smart innovation, which have la has launched in the last two years, a winning seasonal strategy, um, the right pricing in this inflationary environment that we're operating in, new campaign work that just recently came out through our partnership with um, Publicis. All these things combined um, have led to the momentum on the Milkbone business. But I, I really, I do truly believe the foundational work we did together on redesign helped um, light a fire and, and was hopefully a catalyst to some of that growth. Something you mentioned earlier, Kara, was uh, the collaboration and, and the workshops. Uh, uh, Matt, you had asked about the, the process that, that led to the, the restage of the brand and really, um, or the refresh of the brand rather, uh, really it started with a lot of work sessions between uh, the two organizations. And one of the um, great things about working with the James Marker Company is you have involvement from senior leadership, uh, hands-on, involved in the day-to-day -day work. Uh, they attended the work sessions with us. 
They uh, were part of the team and that kind of collaboration was so valuable for us uh, in terms of working together to identify, push and pull, really tease out what the opportunities could be, possibilities, areas of comfort and areas of discomfort and having that kind of collaboration with a cross-functional team. We had everyone from senior leadership to production, to creative services, uh, marketing, uh, insights, all of those folks contributed uh, to what resulted in this successful program. And you use the word, Kara, but this created a foundation for you to build on the work that you did with CBX. And it sounds like you've taken it in a lot of different ways both internally and externally, but that it was all built on that solid foundation. That's really what set the stage for the success you're enjoying now. I, I hope so. And again, it's just a credit to a lot of uh, internal Smucker teams and some brilliant folks behind the scenes that do a lot of work not represented here. But um, that design, if, if not having that would set us up for disadvantage if we didn't have that you know, uh, new system that we established with the CBX team and um, another credit to Jessica Scholl and Rick Connor, who are design leaders on that project on our side, they did a, a brilliant job, but it's, it's as Satoru said, that journey, that collaboration, um, it was probably an 18 month, two year process, Satoru. Yeah, I think so. You know, it, it started with uh, with one workshop, and then from there, I think we had two others after that. Uh, really, just different points in, in the process, uh, defining uh, the brand architecture, the visualization of those pillars. Uh, further dimensionalization of that and eventually leading to the package design, all said and done, it was, that was probably about right. For the it's back to the, the point I made on patients too. It's like the, the, uh, the stops and starts just of just making sure, checking in with consumers, validating what we intuitively know, which is better photography, uh, better design is going to lead to um, higher purchase interest and a more compelling um, shelf set. So that those points in the journey too, especially when dealing with this iconic, uh, you know, hundred plus year old brand, uh, we needed to make sure uh, we were making the right move. Um, and that we did. Great, great, great stuff. Talk about um, how things changed when all of a sudden it became more important. It's become very commonplace to talk about COVID as an accelerator for innovation, that it accelerated the pace of change um, across many, many business sectors. This sounds like something that was done very thoughtfully, very deliberately, very, I'll use the word caringly or lovingly and respectfully to a brand, Cara, that you said is over a hundred years old and absolutely beloved. But were there things as the world changed and as you know, the rise, let's call it the rise in prominence again of pets or re-rise, because I think they've always been important. Um, were there things that changed or, or things that you did differently because all of a sudden, the prominence of what you were doing was on the front burner. That's a great question. I think one thing that stands out reflecting back on the last two years is um, appreciation that we, for all the teams involved to keep that process moving and being dedicated to putting this out in the market, in spite of setbacks um, operationally, you know, a lot of CPG companies experience this where the focus had to be on making and packing and shipping products, right? It's, it was about getting uh, food in consumers' hands. It was, um, you know, if everybody recalls the early stages of just keeping products on shelf. So when the 
our organization shifted to just, we, we need to feed consumers, we need to get product out the door. Um, again, a testament to the folks involved in this project to say, this is still important work. We need to do this for the longevity of the brand, for the long-term success of the brand. We're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna make it happen. Um, and, um, you know, that, that was just the, something that stood out to me of maybe what changed during that time. Great. It's a great answer. Satoro, anything come to mind? I, I think uh, just to echo what, what Kara said, uh, as we, we started to recognize that uh, this initiative had to continue despite the challenges uh, in, with working remotely and uh, having people, just the world in general, having uh, broad concerns. Uh, when we talk about creatively, uh, what it started to change for us was anytime you're, you're talking about the pet category, there's a lot of mention of the connection between owner and pet. And especially for this brand uh, recognized and it's been around for over hundred years, uh, that has also been something that has been part of the foundation. But now even more so the ability to uh, visualize that and have people have that emotional feeling of when you look at the packaging, when you look at that brand, you start to uh, make more of a connection. You start to feel greater attachment and greater connection to your pet. That was amplified. And I think that was something that for our creative team, we really wanted to make sure we were finding ways to highlight the dog, right? And as simple as it sounds, uh, you know, that this brand is, is comprised of uh, three or four basic elements. You're talking about the red that people recognize immediately, which has been there forever. The big white milk bone logo, which again, everyone recognizes this giant dog that's been on the package since the very beginning, right? How do you take those elements and start to, to adjust them, dial things up, dial things down? Uh, how do you make sure that you're making the communication of what they're buying very clear and easy to understand for consumers, recognizing all the stress that they're going through and everything else? Uh, how do you make the shopping experience much easier for the consumer? But again, reinforcing this connection between pet and owner and, it forced us to look at, from a photography standpoint, uh, a wide range of different options in terms of the connection that you have with the, the eyes connecting, as well as even just positions and movement that uh, dogs naturally do that if you're a dog owner, you recognize immediately. Absolutely. And, and you both use the word joy at various points. And I think that moment when you're about to give the dog a treat, the joy that you as the owner have, because you know how much it means to the dog, our little guy Finchley, when he knows he's about to get something, he is, you know, coming apart at the seams. And once he gets it in his mouth, he races off like a bandito, you know, uh, uh, and uh, it is a moment of joy. And I, I think that's a, that's a great, great word. Absolutely. There's the, the butt wiggles, the running in circles, the, the jumping up and down, the anticipation. All of that is, is what we as, as pet parents uh, really live for, right? We, we want to make sure that we're giving those moments of joy. And this is a brand that has continued to do that for over 100 years. Fantastic. Well, this has been a joy uh, to talk to the two of you. And, you know, it's so commonplace now. Loyalty is so fleeting in our business world. And uh, to have a longstanding collaboration as you've had, uh, to have had an incumbent shop uh, come with a brand uh, as you did Satoro CBX with uh, Del Monte, uh, uh, 
prior to the acquisition and that you rode through and are still there is a testament to not only the caliber of your work, but also the caliber of people. And I can see why the two of you culturally um, have meshed so well. Um, it's a great story, uh, uh, a success story, and uh, one that touches on an area that uh, so many of us care deeply about, which is the health and welfare of our pets. It's never been more important to produce effective video ads, but many businesses don't even know where to start. That's where QuickFrame by Mountain comes in. QuickFrame has facilitated more than 65,000 high-performing on-brand video ads designed for audience specificity and rapid creative testing. Their solution helps brands of all sizes iterate and improve upon campaigns mid-flight to create more effective content more efficiently. It's not too good to be true. It's just how QuickFrame works. Visit quickframe.com to learn more.